Welcome to the Tanakh Podcast. Today, Malachim Bet, Perek Chaf Gimel, Chapter 23. In this Perek, we see the way that Yoshiahu makes a covenant with the people and then engages in a complete destruction, a cull of all the Avodah in the country. And we see him going around Jerusalem, destroying the Baal, destroying the various Mizbachot to the Asherah. He goes to Gein Ben-Hidom, to the valley next to Jerusalem, where people offer up their children to the Molech. In fact, we have parallel chapters. Chapter 19 in um, Yirmiyahu, which talks about exactly the same thing. We have Pesukim, which are rather mysterious. Pasuk Shemesh. He stopped using the horses which the kings of Yehuda had given to the sun. What exactly is all of this about? But he goes around the country getting rid of all the Avodazara, all the idolatry, even up to Beit El, and um, ridding the country in, in totally regime change in terms of the religion of the country. And therefore we get this wonderful glowing Pasuk in Pasuk Kavhei. And therefore we might be surprised um, that, number one, uh, God does not depart from his great anger. God doesn't depart from the great anger that he has against Israel and he still doesn't change his mind to destroy Yerushalayim and the people of Yerushalayim. And the second thing which is maybe surprising is what we see in Pasuk Chavtet. In his days, Paron the king of Mitzrayim, went to war against the king of Assyria all the way in the river Euphrates, and Yoshiahu went to meet him, and King Paronacho kills him in Megiddo, Kiroto, the minute he saw him. In other words, um, Yoshiahu is, is killed in battle against Paronacho, and this we uh, hear about even in greater detail in Divrei Amim, where we get told that all of Yudan Yushalai mourn for him. Yirmiyahu also mourned, gave a eulogy for Yoshiahu, and he told all of the officers they are written down in the Kinot. And interestingly enough, if you look at the book of Kinot, which is Eicha, at the end of chapter 4, you see a line which is frequently attributed to Yoshiahu, The spirit of our, of our breath, the anointed one of God, was caught in their corruption, that we had said, 
we will live in his shade amongst the nations. In other words, what we can see is that Yoshiahu, the, 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 the death of Yoshiahu, the, the killing of Yoshiahu in war, was a national tragedy. So what exactly do we make of this occasion? Why did Yoshiahu go to war with Paro? And why did such a Melech Sadiq, you know, get killed so early into his reign? What exactly do our sources have to say about this sort of thing? So what really went on in Megiddo and why did Yoshiahu get involved? Uh, we know from historical records that the Egyptian army was headed to battle against the Babylonian army at Carchemish at the Euphrates. The Assyrian city of Nineveh had just fallen to Babylonian forces. And this defeat signalled the crumbling of the Assyrian hegemony and the rise of a new regional force, Babel. And with these major shifts in the regional balance of power, Egypt, who were allied with Ashura, with Assyria, couldn't sit by and merely observe. And Paranechos sought to destroy Babylonia before it had sort of gained full traction. Obviously, the route for them to go to Babylonia was through the land of Israel. And Megiddo is sort of a bottleneck, a bottleneck in the road from the sea uh, through the Jezreel Valley. And therefore, um, when Yoshio's troops go to attack Mitzrayim, um, there's a direct clash. The question, of course, is, you know, why does Yoshiao get involved? And here there's a really interesting Gemara in Tanit, Daf Chafbet, which basically says that um, Yoshiao was guilty for two reasons. Number one, he didn't consult with the prophets. But number two, he relied too strongly on God, where it says in Parashat B'chokotai that if you follow the Torah, Cherev lot ta'avor ba'artzachem, there will be no sword coming through your land. Somehow, that would say that Yoshiahu understood the good fortune and prosperity that characterized his period as a reward for his monotheism. And in piety, he, he believed that no, no army should march through his land. And this pious complacency caused Yoshiahu to make mistakes. Um, so according to this, Yoshiahu sort of overestimated God's protection. Um, and one of the people who talks about this very strongly is Rav Cook in his uh, article, Hamispeid Birushalayim. And I'll just quote Rav Cook in, in English. Uh, says, Yoshiahu elevated the spiritual aspect as no king before and no king after, his, after him. To that end, he wanted Am Yisrael to have no relationship with the nations of the world. He therefore didn't heed the words of Jeremiah who advised him in God's name to allow the Egyptians to pass through Israel's territory. So here we have an example of where somebody in a state of uh, religious zeal, maybe religious naivete, believes that he is so close to God that God will protect him and he doesn't need to take political considerations into account. And maybe there should be a warning that, that we can't just rely on you know, God's protection, we need to use real politic. The second mistake that Yoshiao missed was that he misappraised the religious revolution that he had 
um, he had done himself. There's a, a wonderful midrash in Echarabah, which says that when Yoshia would send his inspectors to check whether a house had Avodah they'd go and open the door, and they'd check the house, and indeed there was no Avodah and then they would leave the house. And in fact, there was uh, icons of idolatry on the back of the door, and that he didn't know. Now, of course, this is a very, a very uh, amusing image, but what it's really trying to say is he really didn't know what was behind the door, or put very simply, what was in full view, he had cleared the Avodah he had changed the national regime, but he under- didn't understand what was below the surface. Um, the monotheistic change in the country, the, the it had been adopted by public institutions, but it hadn't seeped into the hearts and minds of the average person in Yehuda. And this is really hardly surprising, considering that Yoshiao's religious revolution was there for a mere 13 years after a, a far longer period. And maybe this explains why, despite Yoshiao's piety, Hashem still wasn't going to forgive the people so easily. I mean, if we go back to the book of Yirmiyahu, take Yirmiyahu Perak Hay, Yirmiyahu, let's remember, began during Yoshiao's reign, and he says, for example, Yirmiyahu Perak, hey, Shotatu B'chutzot Yerushalayim, go around the the this the streets of Jerusalem, Uruuna Udu Bakshu B'rachovatah, go ask in the in the streets in Timsu Ishim Yesh Osemishpat Mavakesh Emuna, is there anybody who seeks justice? Is there anybody who is faithful? Oh, what a terrible statement. Now let me maybe end with this uh, important observation. Seif Malachim is looking in retrospect. It knows the Choroban has happened, and Seif Malachim is trying to explain the Choroban. And in hindsight, Seif Malachim says that all the good of Yoshiyahu couldn't shift the momentum, and that Menashe's idolatry was too devastating. And um, it was the nation was already on a downward trajectory. There was nothing to be done. But if you look at Jeremiah, Jeremiah, who was the prophet at the time, he continually calls for tshuva. In fact, in the first chapter where he talks about how God has called him and told him that he is going to lintosh v'lintotsu l'havid v'laharos, he is going to smash and destroy and he is going to obliterate he also raises the possibility, live not v'lintoah, that there will be building and there will be planting. And these phrases return back in chapter 18. And let's just say that in chapter 18, he, he tells the people, you can still do tshuva. If you only improve your ways, then you can stop all of this. There won't be any destruction. In other words, even though Yirmiyahu is a very gloomy book, he always keeps the door open to Teshuvah. And ironically, uh, in hindsight, we might see that it all went downhill from Manasha. But in real time, had people heeded Yirmiyahu's warning, maybe Yoshiyahu's time could have been the beginning of a turnaround. That's it for today. Tomorrow, chapter 24, the penultimate chapter of the book, and we're going to talk about the character and reign of King Yehoiakim.